Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to the FT Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Murray Withers from the Comment and Analysis Desk of the Financial Times. The Chinese e-commerce sector is red hot, but in a competitive market, companies are burning through cash in a bid to win a critical mass of users. An estimated $7.7 billion a year is being poured into subsidies for online to offline services such as taxis, massages and food delivery. Now, Charles Clover assesses whether the race for market share and the fad for burning cash herald the top of an internet bubble. Burning cash has become alarmingly fashionable among Chinese internet companies, many of whom have taken to paying customers massive subsidies to use their services in hopes that their competitors go out of business before they run out of money. One startup, Emao.com, which aims to be an online platform for car dealerships, has based its entire marketing strategy around losing money. We burn cash from our investors to win the hearts of car shoppers, a recent ad says. Travis Kalanick, chief executive of Uber, boasted earlier this year that the ride-sharing app's China affiliate was losing more than $1 billion a year, in part because of the subsidies it was paying to grab market share. A local car-hailing app, Didi Kwaidi, is waging a fierce price war against Uber in several cities. Uber's competitors have made it clear they will not be outspent. Jean Liu, Didi's president, said in September that we wouldn't be here today if it weren't for burning cash. Cheng Wei, the company's chairman, said the company had set aside $4 billion last year to spend on what he called market fostering. Executives from another rival car-hailing app, Yidao Yongchi, said last month that they are entrapped in a cash-burning vortex. Zhou Hong, the chief executive, said recently, we have prepared at least 3 billion to 5 billion renminbi of ammunition for the year. Burning cash may not sound like a viable business model, but these young companies argue that paying customers to use their services is necessary to build their brands and achieve the scale needed to compete. This is especially true in China, where a shift from an investment-driven to a consumption-led economy, which the government insists is underway, makes the goal of buying Chinese customers in hopes that one day they will buy your wares looks appealing. At least some see it this way. Others claim the Chinese internet fad for burning cash heralds the top of an internet bubble, just as Silicon Valley companies convinced investors that profits no longer mattered during the 1990s dot-com bubble, China's internet companies have made a fetish out of losing money. A lot of these companies will be forgotten when the money runs out, said Ma Jihua, founder of Data Real Consulting, who estimates that as much as 50 billion renminbi a year is being poured into subsidies aimed at connecting Chinese consumers via their smartphones to taxis, massages, and car washes. But he concedes that the companies have little choice. In this market, if you don't burn cash, you won't get market share, which means you won't get funding, consequently meaning you won't stand a chance against competitors that do burn, he said. 
Funded largely by venture capital and private equity firms, along with larger and profitable internet companies like Tencent and Alibaba, most of the subsidies are going into apps that aim to be the Uber of massages or the Airbnb of car washes. These online-to-offline services, or O2O, are the hottest investment theme in China's internet sector. The potential benefits to the market leaders help explain why they're so willing to spend. According to HSBC, China's O2O sector is a 10 trillion renminbi market that is only 4% penetrated. HSBC estimates that in five years, the profit pie in the industry will be worth 26 billion renminbi. O2O right now is a big party for consumers, said Ming Xiang, CEO of Hulijia, a health and beauty app, in an interview last month. We have no plans to make a profit in the near future because the VCs are still offering money. Over the last year, his company has, quote, burned several hundred million renminbi, unquote, he said, although he has cut back on subsidies after his main competitor went out of business. That's just how the Chinese internet is, he said. It's too popular. There are so many VC and private equity companies that are willing to fund these wars. Startups are busy raising funds from investors at ever more dizzying valuations, only to plow them back into subsidies. Recent funding rounds have valued Didi Kwaiti at $20 billion, up from $15 billion last July. Uber China was valued at $7 billion in a January funding round, while the merger of Meituan and Dianping, the two largest food delivery and group discount sites, was valued at $15 to $17 billion in November. Many of these companies do not publish financial statements, so it is impossible to see what the true scale of cash burn is. Mr. Zhou estimates that 20 billion renminbi was burnt by car-hailing apps like Yidao, Uber, and Didi Kwaidi on rider subsidies in 2015, while Meituan Dianping, the biggest seller of restaurant reservations and cinema tickets in China, put out a cryptic press statement in February that said it had saved food lovers 58 billion renminbi in 2015. Last year, 84 O2O companies went bankrupt, but the sector also attracted huge headline investments. Alibaba and its payment affiliate, Ant Financial, announced they will each invest 3 billion renminbi to develop a food delivery service called Kobe, while search engine Baidu said that it would invest 20 billion renminbi in Nuomi, a group discount and food delivery app. JP Gan of Qiming, a venture firm that is funding the Helijia app, says there is a method to the subsidy madness. Most sophisticated venture capitalists are looking at the same model. You buy users, you buy service providers, you scale up the platform to 100 or 200 cities, and you build up a concentrated workforce to provide services to the parts of the cities where there are customers, he says. But the pitfalls are obvious in a sector where the providers are fragmented and the services closely resemble each other. Ken Xu of Gobi Capital, a VC firm in Shanghai, says the problem is that the user has no loyalty to anybody in these sectors. They only go for the apps that have the subsidies. In car-hailing apps, everybody is starting to realize they are subsidizing the same group of people who either use Uber or Didi Kwaidi, depending on who is paying them more. The O2O model has been subjected to scrutiny elsewhere, especially in the U.S., where many apps that form the basis of the gig economy have failed after venture funding dried up. That experience has spawned worries in China about whether the same will happen once the era of VC welfare ends. One difference between the U.S. and China, however, is that the online shopping and services are so much farther developed in the U.S. that business is not desperate for the Internet to make it more efficient or attractive, said Duncan Clark, head of Beijing technology consultancy BDA and author of a forthcoming book on Alibaba. 
In China, brick and mortar commerce is often overpriced or simply dismal, he said. So investors are betting that the internet will be the primary way that Chinese connect to services in the future. In the West, we've had efficient retail for a long time, Clark adds. In a sense, China is leapfrogging the West. Another advantage for China's high-tech economy is a distinctly low-tech factor, labor costs. Couriers are 10 to 20% the cost they are in the U.S. Hans Tung, a managing partner at GGV Capital, said the cheap labor and urban population density in China are among the main reasons why O2O services are economic compared to the U.S. where the sector has struggled. In the U.S., there has been uneven uptake of this so-called gig economy because consumers are more spread out, delivery cost is higher, usage frequency is lower, he says. It is harder, besides Uber and Airbnb, for startups in this category. In China, these factors are all flipped in favor of the industry. The cost of delivering O2O services are lower, urban population is denser, and therefore the fundamentals of the sector can be better once there is consolidation around category leaders, he said. But it is clear that the subsidies still play a defining role. Companies are giving massive discounts to tempt consumers. At 99 renminbi on the app goodchef.com, it is cheaper to invite a chef over to your house to cook a five-course Sichuan meal than to go to a restaurant where the same meal might set you back 200 renminbi. Taking an Uber ride a short distance for 8 renminbi is two-thirds the price of a ride in a licensed taxi, whose fares are already held low by government fiat. A driver for both Uber and Didi, who gave his name only as Mr. Guo, says both companies pay subsidies that often amount to two to three times the cost of the ride. Subsidies are an essential part of the income. Because of the competition, the fare is very low, said Mr. Guo. Without subsidies, the fare is not enough to cover the gas. It wouldn't pay off. The ultimate viability of this business model depends on what happens when the money stops, as inevitably will, say analysts. Pressure from investors was thought to be behind the merger last year of Didi Dacha and Quidi Dacha, the two reigning taxi apps, who no sooner had solved their cash burn problem than Uber appeared on the scene. Later in the year, Meituan and Dianping merged, only to be confronted with search engine Baidu's competing platform, Nuomi. That's the story of the Chinese internet. The last man standing always wins. And sometimes, when there are two last men standing, they will merge, said Mr. Gan of Qiming. Brian Viard, an economist who teaches at the Chen Kong Graduate School of Business in Beijing, says that platforms like Uber and Airbnb depend on large numbers of customers and sellers to achieve a critical mass, which drives down costs. But he said the fundamental model of cash burning is more about optimism than economics. A lot of these companies have one thing in common. Their perception of the odds of success are higher than they actually are. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. He said, 